the Reverend Dr. Lee Henson Hasty. I'm Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation. That's a ministry of the Committee on Theological Education. We're um, here to support future ministers because we believe ministers actually matter and make a difference. Folks like John Cleghorn, who's here with me today, a pastor at Caldwell Memorial Presbyterian Church. Your first call, maybe your only call, John, I don't know. It is clearly a call, which he makes clear in the book, uh, Resurrecting Church, uh, the subtitle, Where Justice and Diversity Meet Radical Welcome and Healing Hope. It's just a beautiful story. Um, it's a, in some ways autobiographical. It's about John as a leader and his call and vocation. It's about um, his church and ecclesiology. It's about um, research and partnership across the country. It's about the Presbyterian Church. There's so many great things here. I'm glad to see you, Terry Ott, from the Presbyterian Outlook, uh, joining us today. Glad to have you there uh, as well. And loved having you as a guest not too long ago. But John, glad to have you. And that looks like a pastor's office there. <laughs> it does. I, I joked earlier this is the, an example of what not to have is the background on your slick uh, <laughs> uh, podcast thing, Majig. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, you 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 get the dog fleas and all. It's it's real. I've been I've been in that building. I think just on the other side of that door is there. There's a some sofas and love seats and where the staff meets. Right. Some thirty year old furniture that somebody handed down. And we right. <laughs> That's church. I mean, uh, yeah. that's just church, man. I love it. It's 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 beautiful. Thank you for welcoming us into your world. Folks, we will post a link to um Caldwell Memorial Presbyterian in Charlotte. Um, what part of, that was something new to me. I'm from nearby Monroe. What is the name of the area called? It's called Elizabeth now. Um uh-huh. it, uh, it was a neighborhood that was developed about 110 years ago. And as a matter of fact, this church was started in uh in uh, 1912, as this uh, neighborhood was being carved out of uh, farms and fields, and wow. now, now we're a mile away from the center of right. uptown, where you know we're 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 a uh, you might call it midtown or uptown church. Right. I remember being you know being there a couple of times, um, and uh, yeah, you can see the skyscrapers. Um, one of those times was. I can't remember it's just before or just after memorial service for the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon. And um, you welcomed me into your space, I think even to your uh, staff meeting. Um, and so I'd like to start actually with uh, uh, Dr. Cannon's question about vocation is what is the work your soul must have, John, um, these days? These days. Well, I'm glad you put these days on there because I was going to say, just read the book. And that's the answer. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm so grateful for your generous and hospitable uh, invitation and our friendship. Um, predictable answer. I, you know, my, 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 my soul longs for uh, us to be back more fully in life together here at Colwell and, and as a city and as a community. Um, and, I know that day's coming, and uh, uh, I, uh, I was just on another call, and a, re- and a very similar question came up, and they said, "What do you, uh, what do you long for?" And I said, "Present hope," uh, because I, my theological hope is uh, my uh, in, in times hope is intact. It's just hope that this too shall pass. 
Amen. I mean, what a beautiful response. It's not a, it's about what you see God about to do, not necessarily what's being done today or what's happening yeah. around you. And that is right on this theme of resurrection, right? I mean, it's uh, that fret present future tense kind of thing. <laughs> or, um, I'm not sure I, I should be a better grammarian. Um, and somebody will correct me. Uh, welcome, uh, Jeff, and I believe John, glad to have you here, um, and from Virginia, Abington Presbytery, and and Jeff is up in, in uh, Louisville, that's Salem Presbytery, glad to have y'all here. Um, so uh, the book is 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 a testimony to your call. It it is what is as Howard Thurman says, something making you come alive. Another resurrection kind of um, way to think about this. Um, it's about intersectional church. We're going to talk about that in a second. But even before we talk about what that even means, some folks may be wondering. I I, I will self-identify as a white male, heterosexual, southern. Uh, privileged financially, educationally, socially, and many other ways. Um, and I don't know, I think you're in a similar boat <laughs> from what I read in your story, a former banker, folks, it's unbelievable, this story, uh, and, and journalist, um, a uh, son of a civil rights um, a journalist, uh, but from a, a, fair, a large church, uh, that kind of thing. So you're nodding. Why in the world would we be talking about this, John? <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's exactly right. And um, you know, so I, I need to have a disclaimer printed across the bottom of the screen that I'm only a straight white affluent guy. You know, and and uh, and 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 so we do need to be very uh, aware that this language of intersectionality comes to us. Uh, from folks that are, are on the margins and speak to us uh, about life from the margins into the center, whereas, yeah, I'm the poster boy for privilege. And I, you know, I get that. But part of the part of the journey of the book is learning uh, that language and uh, trying to introduce it into the mainline church. I sometimes think maybe I wrote this book to the self I might have been had I remained in banking and stayed active at a large mainline Presbyterian church. Uh, instead, I got plunged into the deep end of this other context and, and you know, have, have been learning ever since. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I use this intersectional language with, with respect and humility and a lot of caution, but, but simply to try to provoke the idea that, uh, you know, we've talked about churches, multi-faith or multi-ethnic, or we've used all these words over the time. Right. But what if, uh, what if we try to at least aspire to, to, to truly be intersectional? I, I remember in a liberation theology class in seminary and just getting to know womanist theology where I think womanists like Katie Geneva Cannon, for example, you know, uh, being a person of color, being a woman, there's two things. And then you talk about class and then you talk about, so there's all these multiple things. Let's put up that definition because you're not the one who defined this. Um, and this is not that new, but not that old. So I'm going to add to the stream a slide that you put together here. Um, maybe you could walk us through this. Well, down at the bottom, Kimberly Crenshaw is widely recognized as the scholar uh, and leading 
thinker. Um, one never knows who coined the phrase first, but she gets a lot of the credit for that. And I suppose this is not a not what she might put in a textbook, but for me, this this language was was kind of everyday language, and so it was helpful. Intersectionality is a lens through which you can see where power comes and collides, where it interlocks and intersects. It's not a problem these days to see that there's a race problem here, a gender problem there, a class LGBT problem there. Uh, many times, though, that framework erases what happens to those people who are subject to all of these things and more. And indeed, it comes out of a, a, law, uh, a lawsuit that two African-American women uh, filed against a major automaker back in the 70s or 80s, in which they said, we got terminated, uh, not because we're black and not because we're women, but because we're both. Wow. And, and from that springs this whole idea that all of us bring uh, multiple parts of our being uh, into our life story. And intersectionality, again, I, it, Dr. Crenshaw invites us to see it as a lens. So it's not my life, uh, personally. It, it can't be because I'm very mm -hmm. But it is a lens through which I'm trying to see the church and, and uh hold up that others might join me in trying to see through it. I like that uh, join with you solidarity kind of pastoring that you're talking about and welcome by the way, Leanne and Heather. And I think Renita, I uh, met someone from Caldwell uh, there on the stream. So glad to have you here. Um, it's, it's interesting that language of problem is not really a problem. It's an opportunity, isn't right. it? It's a, it's a, it's a real gift. Um, it seems to me. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I, the, the the proposition in the book is that this is a way forward. It's not the only way forward, and it's a a far stretch for a lot of congregations to get from here to there. But um, it's it's simply a, a, a proposition worth talking about, perhaps. Right. Amen. Well, let's. I'm going to back up just a minute to talk a little bit about your story because this has been quite a journey for you and. Folks, you'll you'll love in the beginning of the book, um, one of John's professors at Union Presbyterian Seminary in Charlotte, Rodney Sadler, opens this up talking about your leadership um, in Louisville. I mean, excuse me, in Louisville and Charlotte. Um, and I, I think that's um, a real gift. And he talks about you coming from a large steeple church in, in Charlotte. You easily could have um, gone back to one of those. You'd been in You'd been in um, journalism and then banking in a high-level position for decades, literally, <laughs> but God was not done with you yet. Uh, you're a ruling elder, I suspect, I, I believe, and um, uh, you parent of two girls and and married. Um, this was a leap. This was a leap of yeah. Maybe you're used to taking leaps of faith, John. I don't know if that's it or not. Uh, it. it, it, it. It was a leap of faith on the part of my wife and uh, my, my children, who at the time were really too young to get a boat. Although, no, I, I really did try to listen to them because it affected their lives as well. They're grown women now. And, um, but yes, um, my, my, my wife, if he or she, he or he, she thought she was marrying uh, a journalist and then that journalist went on and became, you know, other things and, and ended up being a pastor. And so uh, great credit to Kelly uh, for giving me the grace and, the, and really for me, it was, it was, uh, 
you know, I was 41 when I went to seminary. And so it was uh, an unexpected exit ramp for me out of corporate life when Union Seminary opened a branch in Charlotte for second career people. And, you know, uh, God said, well, there's a seminary open on Saturdays, two miles from your door. You know, you're pretty much out of options now. Uh, mm. You know, and so I, I thought, well, you got me. Uh, absolutely. Positively happy to do it. And once I got there, I knew that that was I was going to stay on the exit ramp and, and take a different direction. Well, and you continue to learn and grow. I remember at a next church gathering, you talking about some of this work and part of it is research. You visited, you looked and found other congregations who were working on these kind of questions. Um, uh, Randy Bush uh, up in um, in Pittsburgh at East Liberty or a cathedral, they call it the Cathedral of Hope. Speaking yeah. of Hope. Yeah. Um, Durham Presbyterian Franklin uh, Graham is that right Franklin yeah, Franklin, no. oh, Franklin Golden Golden uh, not Graham that's yeah. a different Franklin pastor um, among others I mean you, and I appreciate that kind of research you've done and you've learned some things I wanted to show folks just a couple of lessons that you've you've shared with us uh, on on some slides here maybe you can talk to us about this well, absolutely. So just to round out the context, yeah, I, this is all very kind of uh, mighty utilitarian and selfish, because when I realized what that, you know, what God had created, recreated here at, at Caldwell, a church that was once 1100 members and then practically closed its doors and then came back in a, in a very diverse way, I said, I don't have anybody to talk to about what it's like to pastor a church like this, that's 20% LGBTQ, 20% people of color, 50% non-Presbyterian in background, uh, wounded by church, burned out by church, a lot of right. And so I thought, I, I've got to figure out who my conversation partners are. And so I used my doctorate time to uh, uh, do that. And, and uh, I'm not a professional researcher, but I found 10 congregations that had those thresholds, those two 20% thresholds, because uh, researchers say that at 20%, it is a relevant uh, factor in, in terms of and, diversity mix. And so these lessons are some things you noticed from all, not just from your church experience, but from kind of a summary of what you've seen. And it feels like you're bringing your journalist uh, uh, education to bear here. Well, it was, it was fun to get back into some reporting. And so <laughs> I, um, and I've since forged relationships with a lot of these uh, pastors and and try to summarize some of the uh, takeaways in the book. And so there, there's much more in the book about this. But one thing about these uh, these ten churches is that they center social justice. And that's not just to say, well, we have a committee over here that has right. in its name and meets on Wednesday nights every you know every other month and thinks about justice. No, justice is core at the heart uh, in worship and theology and Christian formation. In, in mission and evangelism and care and in the use of their campuses. So all these places are, are laboratories, but uh, social justice doesn't get mentioned, you know, once a quarter. Um, it's the heartbeat of these places and therefore uh, defines who they attract as members and friends and visitors and, and that just, protesters. That yeah. justice work is not just engagement in their community. You see that as something bigger. I mean, I, when I look at this list uh, of, of arrows here, uh, points, they're, 
there's justice happening um, in lots of parts of who the church is, the congregation is. That, that, that's right. I mean, it, 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 it builds off the fact that social justice is at the core of both the Old Testament and the New Testament in different expressions. Um, and that God's vision of shalom is um, rests on justice and peace and love. Um, but, but that uh, there's a unrest that we read about in scripture from the prophets um, and uh, willingness to engage in the messiness of the world and take on what's broken, not because we think in the end of the day, we're going to fix things that's up to God. But in the, in the meantime, uh, we can meet God in this work, but it, uh, it can come, it, it, it shapes all of the committees of the church, all the work of the church yeah. and the preaching and the teaching at, at these other churches. Right. So worship, theology, formation, mission, evangelism, all of this care. Um, uh, I really like the in care, traditional care, but also empathy building, healing the wounded, anti-racist work, anti-poverty work, anti-homophobia work, creation care, um, and also the use of your your physical assets and campus, how social enterprise, radical sharing versus profiting, hosting. Um, hosting those in need. I mean, these are things that a lot of churches do, but it's it's an interesting way to frame this as a way to en engage your your work of, of justice. Um, what I'm, uh, I'm wondering about, there's a couple other slides here, some lessons learned. I don't know if there's any of these you wanna highlight. Well, the, 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 the two at the top there are very much watchwords around here. I mean, uh, uh, this, the, the work of diversity, the work of pursuing social justice, the work of um, centering the other, uh, of uh, kind of breaking things that, have, you know, that we've been too afraid to touch for too long in, in the traditional church <laughs> is, is, is both messy and, you know, some days it's glorious and some days it's messy, but most days it's gloriously messy. And, and, <laughs> I like that. Um, it, it just is. And one has to be at, at ease with that. And that's not to say more traditional type churches don't have that as well, but there's a particular messiness uh, to this that is the lifeblood of, of these churches and their leadership. And with that comes this, this constructive tension, I would say. We think of tension as a pejorative. Oh, there's tension in that room. And, and in fact, that's where life is. That's where Jesus is. Right. And I think of it kind of like a guitar string that's pulled taut and that's when it makes a true note. Um, but it takes some getting used to, to walk into this. And, um, right. and, and there are lots of other, uh, -huh. and, and to, and to maybe tune that string, right? <laughs> that's right. Or let it tune us. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Now you're starting to preach there. Preacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I, I learned so much from these other, other churches and from my members every day, you know, we're 20% uh, or so, why are, are African-American people of color, uh, writ large BIPOC? Um, and I've, I've learned to come to respect that it's really a sacrifice and a hardship on folks of color to come to a majority white. Right, right. And, and, then, and so they're making an extraordinary effort to bear witness and invest themselves in something when on Sunday mornings, you know, their, their friends and neighbors may be going to more homogeneous black churches. Um, these churches hold polity, uh, you know, respectfully, but but there's a little bit of a, 
revolutionary streak to them around the rules um, because the rules can bind us in some ways. Uh, uh, there is diversity within diversity, which I guess is kind of a, 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 a no, you know, kind of a duh point. Right. But um, if you're new to this conversation or if you're at a church that is completely homogeneous, you know, it's the difference between understanding what it's like to have African-Americans alongside Africans, alongside, you know, other uh, members of the diaspora. Um, and these churches look at membership in a more relaxed view. Uh, Randy Bush talks about how many Facebook uh, members he's got as his membership. And, that's and, beautiful. Uh, that strikes some very traditional pastors is, you know, out of bounds. How dare you? Uh, right. That, but but then that was even before the pandemic. So the pandemic has come along, and we've all gained members right. around the country that right. worship with us. Uh, there's a gentleman in Pittsburgh who who worships with us and donates and writes us letters. And wow. I've, never, I've never met him. He's my hero. Um, well, you. you you're uh, adding to the chorus, uh, responding to the New York Times article this week, talking about, oh. you know, uh, that we should only be in person and uh, what have you. Uh, by the way, thanks, Mark Peak from uh, Monterey. Good to, good to see you on the line. Um, and membership as a more relaxed view. I think that's important for pastors to hear. I mean, and it's there's a lot of talk about belonging versus membership. What is that where you go with that? Well, it, well, it is. And, and um, you know, we keep the books and we turn in the statistical report like like all good Presbyterian churches do. That's due in a couple of weeks. Um, but we at, at, at any given time, we've probably got 15 to 20 percent of what we would call our our community of faith that uh, we count as friends and um, and some friends. Some, I like that. Yeah. And so some of them have been walking with us for years and years and years and they pledge and they volunteer and they leave worship and they serve on committees and they get out on the streets when it's time to protest or whatever needs to be done. But one of my members says, uh, you know, uh, my mother, I'm a Roman Catholic and while my mother's alive, I, I, I simply can't join a Presbyterian church because she would roll over in her, you know, before she's in her grave. And so we respect that. And, but a lot of, uh, a lot of others, reality is that for a time people just need to walk here and come and be and then they might move on to someplace else and i guess that's true for a lot of churches but we try to make sanctuary for folks to just come and be and not hover and not say can we get you on a committee and uh, uh all of that so we try to make a wide space for people who uh are maybe in transition or wounded or just not ready to join another church or what have you so, um, you know, that there's there's kind of a, a, our core membership that functions in numbers like most churches. And then there's this kind of broader cloud of witnesses that, uh, as, as I've said, through the pandemic has grown now online. Um, there's more lessons to be learned. And by the way, there's two things coming up um, where you can engage more with John in addition to ordering the book, um, Fortress Press, Resurrecting uh, Church. Um, there's a a conference as well. There's a webinar with Union Presbyterian Seminary the next two Mondays. Uh, we'll put that link in there. Welcome, Anne. Um, and uh, she's at, she's already put a question if, about members. Uh, I'll let you read that and think about it. And then there's going to also be a conference on white privilege in Charlotte uh, coming up where s some of the, the folks that you research with, um, the congregations you studied, um, will be there with you. Um, 
you want to take on Ann's question first, maybe? Let me see if I understand it. Um, so uh, we, we treat the larger number when we look at our per capita. Um, uh, so uh, you add the friends in, you add we, the friends. We do, because quite frankly, we'll see a lot of them as often as not as maybe some of our shut in members and, and others who who, you know, we don't see as much because they're shut in. So, right. we, again, it's kind of a, a, a broader circle. And um, uh, we, you know, we partner with a lot of community organizations that that will sometimes come and spend time with us, especially those on our campus. Um, and so the doors are open and fro fle more free flowing, I suppose. Beautiful. Uh, and that brings us new blood and new life. That's uh, that radical hospitality. If there are questions or comments you have uh, for the conversation, we have a few more minutes. We'd love to field those. This time just flies by. I was telling John, I, I'm, I, I wish I was uh, sitting outside having a cup of coffee or an adult beverage or uh, just a glass of water with you uh, um, there right in Elizabeth part of Charlotte and so glad you are there and making such a beautiful witness. And it's not you alone. You are quick to point out and you even see on this stream, this is, this is work you're doing together. There's other pastors on staff and your session. And I love the stories I'm um, in here about the roles that particular individuals play each Sunday in terms of welcoming others um, and, and, and the role, each role, it, everybody has a role, um, and, and living that out, right. They, they can embrace this. This is not a top down sort of, sort of ecclesiology. No, that, that's, thank you for that. That that's yeah. absolutely right. And, um, you know, we, when we started over again, we wanted to make certain that we avoided the 80, 20 rule and some of the other traps that any organization can fall itself into and it's bottoms up from a kind of a community organizing perspective too that uh everybody's voice matters and how do we center the marginalized and and uh uh so we've got a fantastic staff i'm grateful for it but this congregation teaches the staff and amen and, uh you know shows us every day what resurrection looks like well and you mentor others i know you've had interns and college students and i mean just um, friends, uh, learn about Caldwell Memorial Presbyterian, their ministry and get to know them. Um, I know you're continuing to learn too. In fact, you took, you stepped out of, um, a learning opportunity today. I'm grateful for that. Why don't you share what you're working on and with who? Um, well, thank you. I've got a, uh, I appreciate that. I've got a grant from Louisville Institute for a sabbatical this summer. We're building affordable housing on our campus and, uh, that's beginning to emerge as a trend and, I'm going to use some of my sabbatical to visit other uh, communities of faith that have put affordable housing on their campus to understand those relational dynamics, how they interact with their residents, um, but also just the, the business models of how it works. We're taking our old 12,000 square foot education building and converting it into studio apartments. So they'll be right here or on our wow. acre campus. And, uh, we're terribly excited about that. It's complex as all, as all the devil is. Um, but, uh, but we've got a lot to learn about how we are going to be good neighbors to the folks that will live right here with us. That's what a gift. I've hear, heard this happening, and hopefully it's something that's catching fire, but it's not easy 
It's not easy work to do. If you go to the Caldwell Memorial website, y'all, you will love the 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 different areas about growing together and loving your neighbor. And I mean, it's just beautiful. And they're very specific. You got a mentoring program. You you're involved in the housing uh, work and the and the anti-racist work. And it's just it's just a beautiful. It's a real witness, and it's contextual to who you are and what you're doing, but. Um, I think it would be an inspiration to others. I can't believe our time is is done is really coming to a close. But I'd love for you any last words and then a, a, any kind of charge and benediction. But let me invite folks to our next show two weeks from now uh, with Salim Grubel from Pittsburgh Promise. We'll be talking about how economics really matters um, in in education of all. And there uh, he is a graduate University of Dubuque and founded Pittsburgh Promise. You might want to learn about it, um, by the yeah. way, <laughs> uh, John. I mean, an amazing story, millions and millions of dollars that are really trying to make sure everyone um, gets educational opportunities that they they deserve um, in Pittsburgh. And it's a, it's a network across the country, but we'll be talking about Pittsburgh in particular. Um, so I hope everyone will join us uh, for that conversation here on Wednesday the 16th um, at one o'clock Eastern time, uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific. Um, thanks again for being here. And and John, again, for your witness, what, who you are, what you're about, makes me proud to be a child of the Presbyterian Charlotte <laughs> from Little Monroe. And um, it's, it's an honor to be a brother uh, a sibling in Christ uh, with you um, and uh, prayers that you will continue to stay strong um, and all of you at Caldwell in the ministry and the gift and the witness that you are making there and, and broadly. Um, would you please bless us as we go? I will. And I would, I would throw all those words back at you, Lee. You've been <laughs> great to, a mentor and teacher to me. I'm going to reach back and, um, uh-oh, I, I, I thought I would offer a blessing, but um, I want to read. Take your time. <laughs> I, I thought I had my Bible up to this yesterday, but I don't. Um, I wrote a little blog to the congregation this morning. We've had so many of our members who are burying their parents, and that day came, yes. that day came for me this day seven years ago, and I looked at my mother's Bible and... Um, I found uh, this exhortation. Oh, wow. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned, <laughs> and heard, and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you, Dr. And, and our friends. Amen. 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 And blessings to, to everyone this day. Stay safe. Thank you all. Thank you.